everyone. Eric from Hit Subscribe here, and um, today I'm doing another one in this series of freelancer Q&A type videos. Most of these skew pretty beginner. Um, this one is not like that. I mean, uh, I, I don't think if this is a beginner topic, uh, when should I quit freelancing? And in fact, I've been asked this a number of times over the years, and I think the most recent time, um, uh, the reason it's prompting me to do this, I, I want to say the person asking it is not a beginner, it's an established freelancer. Um, when should I quit freelancing is a topic that I think you should ask when beginning, um, and I'll get into that in a moment, but it isn't a common one for beginners to ask. So I titled this video, No When to Fold Them, When Do You Quit as a Freelancer? And um, I know this will crush you, but I'm not going to sing the Kenny Rogers song for you. Instead, let's just get into the video. Um, the first thing I'd say on the topic is, as I kind of alluded to a little stumblingly on the way in, um, you ought to establish this as a beginner freelancer. And kind of here's what I mean. In my consulting travels over the years, one of the things that I would always recommend for people who are looking to undertake a new initiative or make a change or whatever they were bringing me in to do um, would be to define success criteria up front. You know, what are you trying to do with this initiative? We're about to do something new. What are we looking to get out of it? But then on the flip side of that, you would also be well served to define failure criteria. So if we're undertaking a new initiative, if we're going to do things differently, how do we know when that's not successful? How do we um, know when to quit, when you know we're throwing good money after bad? And in the end, um, like how do you know to pull the ripcord? There's a phrase in the software world called fail fast. And the idea being like you have to experiment, you have to try new things, but you want to learn as quickly as possible whether the thing you're trying is going to work or not. And then if not, do something else. So with that in mind, the thing that um, I would suggest if you are thinking of going freelance, um, either you've had a job or maybe you're re-entering the workforce or uh, maybe right out of school, but whatever is prompting this, when you look at this as a career path, sure, you want to establish some criteria for success and goals and all that, but also how would you know if you were failing at this and maybe to a degree where you ought to think about doing something else. So I, I would suggest actually going in up front to define failure criteria. Um, so what might that, oh, I'm getting notifications. Pardon me. Uh, uh, I've got to get in the habit of closing browser windows. Um, what might it look like? What are some failure criteria that you might want to establish when you're going into freelancing? I think, you know, let's start with the easiest one. If you are a salaried employee, especially if you're a primary breadwinner or a double income household, um, significant contrib contributor to that, uh, you would want to establish some date at which you were failing to bring in money and it became a problem. And ideally that wouldn't be a date where you were in like personal credit card debt. I would suggest that you establish a runway. Um, you know, I have X amount of uh, months where I could survive with no income. And then you consider it to be failure when you burn through a certain percentage of that runway without your prospects looking up. So let's say that you'd saved uh, $50,000 with the idea that you could go off on your own. I don't know that I would consider it a failure when you'd had no business and gone through all of that money, but maybe once you'd burned through 30,000 of it for living expenses, if things still weren't looking up, if you still weren't able to replace that income, that might be the point while you still have some runway and some buffer that you go start looking for a job. So I think, um, at the blend of personal and business, the easiest one is uh, financial, and it's going to be a function of your runway. Um, this might lead to an interesting situation where, let's say that you were re-entering the workforce, maybe you had a partner um, that is doing the breadwinning, as it were, 
and your income is kind of optional, you may not have an exit criteria like that if everything you make is kind of a bonus for you and your partner anyway. Um, in that case, you might think of other criteria. I made a couple of notes here, but um, uh, one that I can think of is let's say that you set an income goal. You wanted to freelance and you wanted to work um, you know, more or less full-time on the business, and you were hoping to earn, let's say, $100,000 a year doing that. So that was the goal. You thought that was a reasonable level of income. So maybe you start freelancing and you're a year into it, you're two years into it, and you've seen some growth, but you're plateauing at 40 or 50K a year. Now, whatever your reasons for wanting to bring in 100K in revenue, if you're plateauing somewhere below that and you don't see any great options um, to overcome that plateau, uh, that might be another trigger point as to, hey, this isn't lining up with what I hope to get out of it. And um, at the very least, you should assess there whether you can somehow get above that hump or not. So I'm not advocating that if you hit a plateau, you just give up. Uh, that's not what I mean. It's more that the plateauing would be an inflection point and then you would want to reassess, like, is it reasonable for me to get there? So if you wanted to make $100,000 a year, and what you learned over the course of two years of freelancing is that the going rate for whatever you're doing caps out at like $30 an hour, there's no planet where that adds up to $100,000 a year. So even if you're working 40 billable hours a week at $30 an hour, what's that? It's about $60,000 a year. Well, now you're looking at a situation where in order to command what you were gonna command, you'd have to go into a whole different line of work or create a different kind of business. So that might be the moment where you say, wow, I'm, I'm really not gonna to get to this goal. Maybe I should think about a different kind of path, whether it's a full-time job, different freelancing practice, et cetera. Um, the other one I'd bake in from the beginning has to do, I'd say, with lifestyle. So this one might not be as uh, low on Maslow's hierarchy of needs as like earning enough income to support you and your family and whatever you need to do but you might pull the ripcord when you hit a certain level of misery, meaning um, you might say to yourself that if by the end of a year or two you're not settling into kind of a 40-hour type work week, meaning uh, in order to hustle and get business and satisfy that business, you're working 80-hour weeks, that may be something that you do at first, especially when you are excited to get going with your practice. If after a year or two you're still working 80-hour weeks, I would ask myself, um, is this really what I want to be doing? And it's better to define that up front when you're less in the moment, because if you never have defined that up front and you're um, in it, you know, making money, albeit working 60 to 80 hours a week, after a few years of that, even if you're experiencing burnout, it can be easy to say like, well, you know, I'm so close. It won't be like this forever. It's going to settle down like you're too in the moment. Whereas if in the beginning you had kind of said, look, if, if in order to earn this 100K a year I want to make, I have to work 80 hour weeks from day one, you set that up, then if you find yourself two years in working those 80-hour weeks, it's a little more of a dispassionate um, way to address this. Like you, past you is looking at current you and saying, hey, uh, this isn't good. Get yourself up out of the weeds and, and figure out something else. And I don't know that it's hours worked per week. Um, there are other sources of misery that you might define. You know, if you are like, say, sensitive to feedback and you're constantly getting brutal feedback from your clients or having negative interactions that just make you dread getting out of bed in the morning, if you know yourself um, well enough to know that that might become relevant, then I would suggest, um, you know, defining certain things like that, you know, if you're um, getting heartburn ahead of client calls or whatever it may be, uh, know yourself and understand what an unpleasant bad lifestyle looks like and um, set that out for yourself as if I'm still in this situation with no 
real immediate hope of getting out of it, then I kind of want to pull the ripcord and get out of here. A good way to do this, especially if you have been working a job for a lot of your career, is to think of it as um, historically when you've quit a job, especially if you've like quit a job with nothing else lined up, what happened? What made you do that? And take that experience and kind of lay it out before yourself. And then in terms of like lifestyle go goals as a freelancer, or I guess any kind of business owner, you could say, um, what would this look like? You know, if it's hating feedback or if it's uh, that you hate having meetings or if it's that um, you hate working long hours, whatever it may be, whatever prompted you to quit, um, line that up in front of you and then check in on it periodically from time to time. Um, so that's why, uh, or those are the ways that I would advocate setting boundaries in advance so that you can know if it's time to bail out on what you're doing. Now, um, for the person that's asking this question, for a lot of people who might be interested in this, if you're freelancers, uh, that doesn't do you a lot of good. You can't, you know, uh, create some rip in the fabric of space-time, go back and, and set these criteria. Um, so how do you know this if you're in situ? For me, um, one of the things that I've, because throughout my career, I went independent, gosh, about eight years ago, I guess. Um, but during that, that time, I've done different things. I've done um, long-haul kind of uh, engagements with clients. I've done subcontracting. I've done shorter bursts of consulting and so on and so forth. So even though I've been independent for a long time, the nature of that work that I've done has shifted. And one of the things I've learned about myself that indicates it's time to maybe retool my practice or what I'm doing is feelings of burnout, again, similar to what you would experience for a job. Now, for me personally, that tends to be um, a feeling of not looking forward to the work week, like Sunday night comes and, oh man, I really wish I weren't doing this stuff on Monday. Um, for me, it often would manifest in the form of cynicism. Like I, I would notice myself becoming more and more cynical about what I was doing. Um, so look at that. Uh, look to yourself and what you're experiencing and burnout's going to feel differently uh, for different people. Like there are people who I think experience burnout where one day you just like can't get out of bed. Uh, that's a pretty strong sign <laughs> say that you should probably do something else. But for me, it's subtler and I look at it through the lens of like, is my personality changing because of this work? Am I becoming a person I don't like? Am I snapping at, you know, friends and family? Am I overly cynical? Do I seem bitter, et cetera? So that can be a sign that you ought to go do something else. I mean, kind of across the board, but especially um, with something like a freelance practice, because in a way, if you're a freelancer, um, you don't have the same kind of network uh, that will reflect stuff back on you. So if you're, you know, at work and you have your work friends and stuff, they might say like, hey, you know, what's wrong with you lately? Um, as a freelancer, you have a lot less of that type of feedback. So I would say you have to be more introspective of it. And if you find yourself bitter or acting in a way that you don't normally act, that might be a sign that it's time to go do something else. You might be super stressed out. So uh, at a job, even if your job is secure and you find yourself not liking it, that's one thing. But as a freelancer, um, you are off on your own, you know, breadwinning. And so if you say, like, I don't like this, um, your income can very well suffer for that in a way that it wouldn't immediately work. Uh, another thing that's kind of completely unrelated to um, the in situ like feeling situation is um, if your billable rate, you know, if you're charging by the hour and if that plateaus, like I mentioned earlier in the criteria that you're setting out, something can happen there where um, maybe you have a rate that you've established and um, you're maybe having more and more trouble commanding that rate. 
which can be a signal that the space is getting more competitive and that more people are coming in and doing a similar thing to you, um, you can find yourself in what I'll call a race to the bottom where you're struggling to maintain your billable rates, certainly you're not able to increase them. Um, and usually what's happening there is the space you're in is getting um, maybe increasingly commodified. So with HitSubscribe being in the content business, um, one of the things that people are always asking about is, hey, you know, there's this AI GPT-3 thing that can like write blog posts. Do you think um, that the business, you know, won't, we won't need humans to write blog posts anymore. Uh, I won't get into why I think that's a little silly um, for any number of reasons, but what I will say is that um, if that came to fruition, if an AI could write an expertise-driven blog post that was like a technical tutorial as well as a human, and you were a human that was in the business of selling those blog posts, you might find yourself in a race to the bottom. The, you know, literally a machine being able to do what you do is example of your work being commodified. And this happens over the years to service-based people um, kind of subtly. Um, you know, in the world of software, for instance, there's a lot of um, infrastructure work that used to get done, like setting up the software to build and deploying the software that used to be something that a human being did that's been increasingly uh, done by automated tooling. And so if you used to be a specialist, uh, there was a role that I used to think of as like the build troll. Um, if you used to be a professional build troll charging a certain amount of dollars per hour, and then the machines are coming along and doing it instead, you'll find yourself in this pricing race to the bottom. So it could be other competitors entering the space. It could be that uh, your clients see the work as less and less valuable, more and more commodified. You feel this downward pressure on your rates that indicates a race to the bottom. This can be a sign, especially if you're not nimble about your skill set and offering, that maybe it's time to hang up your um, spurs and go get a job or something where uh, a job, unlike a freelance practice, you will have some natural career development and skill development on the employer's dime. Um, I would I would say another one, and I'm gonna transition into like some different thoughts to close out this video, but another one would be, I had mentioned in planning out what you do ahead of time to be this idea of plateauing. And I'm going to say, um, if you find yourself plateauing in earnings in what you're doing in general, and um, there's this feeling of being on a treadmill, uh, you're not building any equity in the business, that might also be a sign that it's time to either do something else or hang it up. And the reason I say this is kind of what I'll close with philosophically in the last part of this video. I wrote a blog post, and um, if I remember, I'll link this in the comments. It actually started a series I've been writing for the last year on the Dead Tech blog um, about freelancing. And I think of freelancing as an interim stop. So if you're a salaried employee, you go and become a freelancer. A lot of people do that to get into freelancing. But my contention is that one of two things happens over the long timeline of you being a freelancer. Either you kind of go back to being an employee, you hang it up and quit, or you become a business owner in a business in which you have equity, meaning um, you own a business that continues to uh, create value even when you're not working. So what I mean by that is, um, let's say that you are a graphic designer and you charge dollars for hours of graphic design. As soon as you're not working, because you're selling hours of your time, as soon as you stop working, you are not producing hours of labor and thus nobody is paying you. So as a freelancer, nobody ever pays you when you're not actively working if you're charging by the hour. Now, let's say that instead of um, selling hours of labor at graphic design, you started to sell custom logos. Now, what you can do when you're selling custom logos 
is name some kind of flat price and take out what's called a margin. So maybe it costs you in your own labor four hours to produce a logo and you figure that's worth about $200 that hour um, or that four hours. So your cost, if you will, to build the logo is 200. If you charge a thousand for it, you're taking an $800 margin. What you can do what, with that pricing is you can, instead of doing it yourself, hire someone else for two or $300 to produce the logo. Now you've created kind of the world's smallest, simplest agency, and you suddenly have equity in a business because if you've hired someone else to do the logo and you've sold a bunch of logo designs, you can go and you know take a week off while the person is designing the logos and giving them to the customers and your business is still making money. So that's the simplest example I can think of, but you can't ever build equity in a business when you're selling hours of labor. So back to the freelancing world, my contention is that one of two things happens. Either you go from um, salaried employment to freelancing, and then you go on to design a business where you're building equity, whether it's making an agency or doing a productized service, or maybe you build out a service offering, whatever it is, you kind of graduate to having an equity-based business, or you go back to being an employee. Now, for some, that's quitting freelancing and taking a job, but for others, um, if you freelance for the rest of your life or the rest of your career, you kind of basically just have a job. It's just that you're switching employers more often. Uh, freelancing is gig-based, but the paradigm is still very much um, like being a salaried employee. You are getting um, dollars in exchange for hours. And so what I mean by this is without equity in your business, you are an employee. It's just you're an employee of your own non-growth plateauing business. So if you think of um, yourself as having two um, different interests in the business, one is the owner of the business and the other is the operator of the business, you as the operator are an employee, um, but you're also the owner. With a freelancing practice, you have a business that's not going anywhere. So the owner isn't growing this business or investing or doing anything in it. So you are the sole employee of a business with an indifferent absentee owner that's not paying any attention to the business. And there's not a lot of growth available there. So you kind of wind up in this position over the long haul where you're you know, just taking one gig after another and not really going anywhere. You're probably saving for retirement the same way employees do and stuff, but it becomes a thing that looks a lot like employment. So um, I guess the last thing I would say about when to quit is when you take an earnest look at your future and you say, am I just going to do this towards uh, to, until I retire or what have you? And if that's the case, if you're just kind of serially trading gigs, um, I might think about uh, going back to employment, especially because you're going to have better resources for retirement savings uh, in employment. Um, so a good indicator that can be time to hang up is if you have no interest in or path towards building equity in a business and growing it uh, beyond being on this kind of gig treadmill. Um, so that's my take. Uh, I guess I will offer this caveat. I've talked a lot about like signs of quitting here. I don't want anyone to take away from this video that I'm saying, hey, whenever you hit a plateau or you hit adversity of any kind or whatever, that you should just quit and go back to sales. You can. Um, it's kind of a grind, I would imagine, but you can absolutely do that. Maybe you just, you want to move on from thing to thing quickly and be able to take breaks in between and not answer to a permanent employer. All of that can be done. So I'm kind of throwing all of this out here as, um, essentially just like indicators or, or things that you might want to evaluate when you're thinking about whether it's time to quit. So all of the things that I mentioned, these red flags, if you will, to look at, treat them as inflection points, treat them as signs that you need to change something. 
that something might be that you take a few weeks off, recover from your burnout and come back re-enthused about how to get over your plateau, or that something might be, uh, hey, this just really isn't for me. And I would um, close out finally here um, by encouraging you not to think of going from freelancing to say salaried employment as some kind of um, defeat. So I think a lot of people that start a business or that start a practice and do that for a few years, you look at uh, taking a job as kind of a show of weakness or giving up or whatever you want to call it, but don't look at it that way. Uh, again, if you think of yourself as the owner of a business that also employs you, um, you put on your LinkedIn profile or whatever that you are a consultant or whatever you list there, it's another job. And you know what people do throughout their career is they change jobs. So if you are working for yourself and that doesn't prove to be a growth business, um, then look at it as career advancement. You are going from being the VP of your own freelancing to maybe the VP of a company with a growth trajectory. And so it's a solid career move. So I would look at it through that lens. Don't think of it as uh, giving up. Just look at it the way you would look at warning signs from whatever it is you might be doing in your career. You know, am I plateauing? Are things going wrong? Let's take a hard look at this and figure out what the next steps are. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, I'd like to be encouraging and, you know, hey, keep trying, keep doing it, but not to the point where you're miserable or if you're doing the complete wrong thing. So take all those signs as uh, inflection points and then do your best, especially dispassionate, maybe with a little um, distance if you take a bit of time off. Do your best to take an honest kind of objective assessment and then make a decision and don't regret it. You know, everybody's career, mine included, is kind of a winding, strange path that doesn't lead where you expected. So uh, no shame in doing something different. And yeah, I hope that helps. I will catch you all next time.